Joshua Cribbs turns disaster into a score! Ugly, misformed little creature who has no purpose here, no meaning. I am a human being. Washed it down with one beer, two beers, three beers, a shot of whiskey, a margarita, and a bloody berry. And I said, Stone Cold, why have one when you can have them both? Swung out and drilled. Deep right center. Away back. Gone for Tony. Irving and Curry, one-on-one. Irving puts it up. And now, Any Given Podcast with your hosts, Brendan Ward and Ethan Simpson. Hello and welcome back to another fantastic episode of Any Given Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Ethan Simpson. And I'm Brendan Ward. How is it going today, Ethan? Um, it's going pretty good. It is May 4th, 2022, and Dustin Crum is officially a member of the National Football League. Hey, I mean, we've been we've been talking about his talent for 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 a couple of years now. Finally, it kind of paid off. I know he he didn't end up going in 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 the seven rounds of the draft, but but for a team for that team to pick him up, I'm very excited for his chances at a future in the NFL um, to, to develop under what could be the best quarterback in the league, one of the best coaches in the league. Obviously, uh, you didn't mention it, but can for him to go to Kansas City uh, and, and learn under Andy Reid, learn under Patrick Mahomes, and maybe if that's not even his long-term spot, to have that development, which we knew he would need anyways, we didn't think he was going to be a year one starter unless he had to be. But to be able to have that development, I think, is going to be fruitful, fruitful for his career. Like you said, a, a, a Brian Hoyer type where we're learning, kind of just being associated with Tom Brady definitely helped him get an opportunity with Cleveland. Obviously, he did the best he could with that opportunity, something I think Dustin will be able to do in the NFL. So it might be a little slow burn starting with Dustin, but very excited that he, 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 he signed with the Chiefs. And like you said, is now a member of the NFL. Yeah, yeah, we've been we've been preaching it for for years. The whole time we've been doing the podcast, or the whole time I've been on the podcast. Yeah. And with the with the help of Andy Reid and learning from learning from Patrick Mahomes, he will probably have a career similar to Brian Hoyer's, if not better, and getting a start somewhere officially long-term. So, hey, yeah. Yeah, the future's bright for that young man. You could almost say the stars he could reach. That was an aerospace joke. That wasn't even a joke. That was uh, that was very corny. But <laughs> I, I would have went with, like, golden. The future is golden for, uh, for golden Dustin Crumb. You know, he is golden a golden flash. He is a golden flash. But uh, but we're gonna go ahead and get into kind of, you know, just some hot topics from the last couple of days. Yesterday, uh, Tuesday, it came down that wide. Actually, it was Monday, I believe. 
it came down that wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins of the Arizona Cardinals is going to be suspended for six games to start the following year. As you know, he uh, he got hurt last year coming back from his injury. Uh, I don't really know the story behind if he if he took something to to maybe like help in his rehab process that he thought was going to be okay, and it ended up having this stuff in it. From what I read, he tested positive for almost three different types of performance-enhancing drugs. However, he did release a statement saying that he basically is very, very adamant on what he puts into his body and very careful. So for him to learn that last November he failed the test, especially for performance-enhancing drugs, it's something that he really wants to look into. He didn't. He didn't really say he was going to appeal his suspension or anything like that. In fact, in the caption of the tweet, he said, see you week seven. So it looks like he's kind of just taking the suspension as is. But but he 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 does claim that he had no knowledge that these these were in the system. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of one of those strange things. He's saying that. He wasn't taking them. Maybe they were in something that he was taking, but that's that's really a tough a, a tough one because it's like, no officer, I didn't know this quarter of pot was in my car. It, you know, it's kind of one of those similar it's situations. It's almost passing the buck, and uh, I we've seen this type of thing before where people are coming back from a major injury. Uh, I believe a couple prior to his retirement, Ray Lewis was coming back from a, I believe it was a tricep injury and, and was using deer antler spray. And he ended up testing positive for performance enhancing drugs. And, and also uh, Peyton Manning, when he was coming back from a neck injury to play for Denver, also got popped for something like that, where he was using what he thought was a natural product and uh, kind of got, you know, his it, it, he ended up testing positive for whatever, whatever at that point it was. But in other suspension news, Trevor Bauer gets suspended for the equivalent of two years worth of games. Uh, that stems from the the. Uh, I wrote in here, kind of badly, and I'm not going to say it this way. They they stem from the allegations that he took consensual rough intercourse too far and and that was at the time called a rape allegation when it first came down <clears throat> now the LA County DA did decline to uh, kind of pursue charges however the MLB comes down uh, over the weekend and says that we don't want power in our in our league right now he's out for at least two years yeah, that that's a tough thing with the whole Bauer situation because there were no criminal charges filed. They went through the court case. He has uh, how many pages of saved messages between him and the alleged victim. And if you go through them, I mean, these are they, they get pretty vulgar there. Uh we try to keep this PG-13 here. Sometimes it it's, gets a little closer to R, 
but we're not going to go X anytime soon here. Yeah, yeah okay. you can't get into exactly kind of what was said, and especially something like this where it's it's so touchy of a subject. Yeah, uh, but but what she was saying in there was there was never any messages of her saying, don't do that, uh, you you shouldn't have done that, blah blah blah. Uh, no, she was like, "Ooh, this is turning me on. Let's continue to keep doing this. Everything you're doing, keep doing." So uh, it's just the whole messy thing. Like I said, those are some of those things you don't want to say too much on until everything's out there. But it seems like he put everything out there from their conversations. He had it all saved, and for the MLB to do this a part of their domestic violence policy. It, it's kind of, it's kind of wild because if you think about it, you had Chapman, you've had how many uh, baseball players where things have come up when they go back to their home countries or yada, yada, where they're getting into trouble like this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And there's no documented evidence of, Hey, look, like this was just a weird, kinky thing that we were both into. And then once I got paid, she started coming out and saying this, you know, so that's that's where it's a little iffy. And I think that they did the two years as well, because Bauer was online, bad mouthing Manfred and all those, you know, the rules in the MLB and whatnot. I I agree with you there. Unfortunately, Bauer's kind of uh, presence in like you said, society, whether it be social media or kind of talking, is probably what led to being is what is one of the largest suspensions in baseball history. Yeah, which is which is also like I was saying, that's also absurd that this is one of the largest suspensions in baseball after a crazy amount of stuff that has gone on in the. Uh, a hundred and how many years of professional baseball that this with his documented evidence that it was consensual is the biggest suspension. I, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. Let me just say, do I agree with the two year suspension? No. Uh, he hasn't played in two years already. Yeah. Is there, is there a time served? Right. Yeah. Is there time so, served? Yeah, was this a four-year suspension? Uh, Essentially. I don't know. Essentially, yeah. and my question is, is is the Dodger contract then on pause? Because if it's a two-year suspension and his contract's no longer on pause, it's time for Bauer to get paid again. And, and he's going to be very cheap. And you know who's very cheap? Yes. Yes. So, so we're not going to advocate for that right now. He, he's out for two years. We'll we'll figure that out down the line. I agree with you. I think it's an absolutely absurd suspension. Uh, we are innocent until proven guilty in this country, unless we play professional sports, uh, especially baseball, which is still stuck in kind of old times. Where if I say it, if if, if the commissioner says it, it goes. Unless you steal signs. Mm-hmm. If the commissioner says it, it goes. If you steal signs, you can crack a deal. You can negotiate. As long as you admit to it, you get to keep your trophy and your rings and all that. 
But if not, two years is passed. Yeah, yeah, it's it's for the integrity of the game, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, just some trophy. It's just some trophy. Why would we take it away? The commissioner's trophy. Another thing that they were saying is allegedly there is a stocking case in Ohio from when he was with either with the Cleveland Indians or the Cincinnati Reds. So that is potentially a part of Manfred's decision for the two years. That is what I've heard rumored online from a different people in sports media. So who knows if that's going to come to light or if they investigated into that. Uh, I would knows? say I would say take it with a grain of salt because if there was a stalking case, I feel like it would it would already be out. Media would have a field day with releasing that information just to kind of add to the character that is Trevor Bauer. Um, right. That's kind of all I have on this. Like I said, it's a touchy subject. Can't get too far into it. It's just not something you want to sit here and continue to be like, well, you just set yourself up for 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 haters, as you know. Um, you know, the hater, haters seem to hate Ethan sometimes. Uh, let's go ahead hey, and get into the... I- And we are back. After some technical difficulties, you know, the Wi-Fi out. Yes, we did pay the bill, but Spectrum decided that they didn't want to they didn't want to cover us for a little while. Uh, we are back. Uh, we, we, we finished kind of our conversation on Trevor Bauer and DeAndre Hopkins. So we're going to go ahead and get into the NBA. The playoffs are here, Ethan. How excited are you that we're, we're kind of getting the meaningful basketball? I mean, it, it, it's extremely exciting. It's, it's still kind of the same teams, but what do you expect when it comes to playoff teams? You know, you're not going to yeah. get different teams every single time, but it's good to see some certain teams are not in there again, um, like they always are. But I, I'm excited. It's some good teams, some teams you didn't expect. Uh, they're looking good. Yeah, I, I'm very excited because it, you got to see like the Pelicans go up against the Suns and, and actually win two games in that first round. Uh, they ended up losing the series, but but for that young team to be able to get in there, like you said, Memphis as the two seed, uh, winning winning their first series, and even they're now tied up with Golden State in the second round. Uh, just to kind of go by first round, the first round is over for all sixteen teams uh, in that in the West. Phoenix uh, topped the New Orleans Pelicans four to two. Memphis topped Minnesota four to two. Golden State topped Denver four to one, and Dallas beat Utah four to two. And then in the East, Miami, the one seed, beat the eight seed Atlanta four to one. The two seed Boston Celtics, we talked about this last week, ended up sweeping the the Brooklyn Nets, uh, which is just funny to me. Uh, four to nothing. Uh, Milwaukee, the three seed, beats Chicago, the, four, the six seed, four one. And then Philadelphia ends up beating Toronto in the first round, four two. That sets up the second round. Over in the West, you have the Phoenix Suns at the one seed playing Dallas. Uh, the four seed, game one was Monday. Uh, they are currently playing Wednesday night. And 
we'll kind of see how that goes. Luca is back for Dallas. He missed some time in that first round series. Phoenix, obviously, the uh, defending Western Western Conference champions and the one seed. Since Chris Paul went through that team, they've been a completely different team. And then you got Memphis playing Golden State. That series is tied after Memphis gets a win last night. Uh, Draymond uh, got hurt in that game, ends up giving the bird to the crowd as they're booing him on the way out. Which of these series do you think is kind of your favorite must-see series of the second round of the NBA playoffs? I'm going to go with Memphis and Golden State coming out of the West. Obviously, you have Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. That's already been established. And then on top of that, with Memphis, you have John Morant. You have these new guys coming up. Um, it's almost like a change of the guard, if you will. Not not completely, but you know what I'm saying. The new guys are yeah. coming in, the new shooters. And I think that's going to be definitely the one to watch out of the West. Just because Phoenix and Dallas, we've seen those teams before. And, it, you know, I'm going to go with. I'm definitely going to go with Memphis and Golden State just to kind of see, kind of see who does better, John Moran or Steph Curry, when it comes down to putting up numbers each night. Forty-seven from John Moran, game two. There you go. I that guy. um, I think New Orleans is kicking themselves for picking Zion Williamson over him right now. John Moran looks like the. A, a budding superstar. And I'm not talking just middle-of-the-line superstar. I'm talking superstar Giannis, LeBron, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, these guys that have led their teams to championships. It seems like John Morant is on that trajectory. I agree with you that that Memphis-Golden State series is very interesting, but I'm going to go over to the East. And to me, this Miami-Philadelphia series is very interesting for one reason. James Harden. And the reason I say James Harden is because Joel Embiid is out with an occipital bone fracture. That's kind of the bone right here in his face. And he may return in this series. But James Harden, I believe, or and, and is kind of touted as one of those guys, one of those elite-level NBA players. At least he's, he's supposed to be, like I said. Here's the time to prove it. And he hasn't. And the reason I say he hasn't, because a notification just came across my phone that Miami took a 2-0 series lead. So James Harden couldn't step in and fill in for what might be the MVP in Joel Embiid. And I know it's big shoes to fill. Joel Embiid's pretty good. But I don't think this Miami team's that good. I know they're the one seed in the East. But why? Like, is Spolster just that good of a coach? Do Jimmy Butler and Tyler Hero scare the crap out of people? Please, I pray to God, the Miami Heat play the Phoenix Suns in the NBA Finals because we will be celebrating a Phoenix Suns championship on this podcast, and I know you're a Suns fan. Yeah, I'm super excited for that. I mean, hypothetically, I'm super excited for that because I 
absolutely despise the Miami Heat. I probably will never like that team however long I live just because of the decision. And you know me, like you said, I'm a big Phoenix guy. I don't know how many times I have to say it. For you know, some people still don't believe me, but I'm a big Bro, Phoenix guy. We have receipts, man. We you were telling me you like the Suns before they made the finals. Go back and watch that season two, bro. The receipts are there. The receipts are there about Dustin Crum when he starts being big in the NFL. The receipts are gonna be there when when the Phoenix Suns win the NBA championship this year. I just the receipts are there. Tell yeah. me. Oh, absolutely. Hey, I you know I'm on record saying this, folks. Okay, right? you don't you don't have to call my lawyer to find that out. That is evidence for sure. But like you were saying about the Miami Heat, I think they're frauds. I totally think they're frauds. Tyler Hero is overrated. He shouldn't have won Sixth Man of the Year, and that's not just me saying that because Kevin Love came in second place. Kevin Love, if you watched any games this season with Kevin Love, he worked his ass off. But to get back to the heat here, I think they're frauds. You saw that meltdown that happened with Jimmy Butler trying to fight everybody on the sidelines. When you're trying to fight your coach, it's terrible. Right, and Rick is not that good of a coach. I've been saying that since LeBron was in Miami. Everybody thought he was such a great coach. Yeah, because he had Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, Chris Bosh. He had Birdman. He had all those guys around him leading the team. Do you think Tyron Lue is actually that good of a head coach? No, he's got a ring. Why LeBron? I I personally don't say Tyron's a bad good coach, Uh, but it it is kind of said around the NBA that he's really good. It's the reason he's got the job he does now. I don't know why, because like you said, he kind of rode that LeBron, LeBron's ride in Cleveland to an NBA championship. And I know like he changed the direction of the team when they fired David Blatt, but he he, he coached that year for half a year and, and won a title. So I agree with you. Tyron Lue, Eric Stra. Victims of circumstance is why they have what they have to me. Yeah. I mean, I look, like at, look at these. Yeah. Look at, look at, um, look at Miami after Wade left and everything, how trash they were. Yeah. That has nothing to do. This team right now has nothing to do with Spalstra. Not really. And, and Not that's just a fact. I I I I can't wait for that team to kind of blow up, and I know they don't have a bunch of superstars, but Jimmy Butler is a hothead. I can't wait for that team to blow up, and you can call me a hater all you want, because it will expose him finally. There were people last week trying to tell me that Eric Spolster is a Hall of Famer. I get he's got two rings, but he's got two rings, like you said, when he was coaching. Three. Three. Yeah, right? I didn't think he – was he the coach? He, he was the coach for Wade and Shaq? No, I was saying he got the two with LeBron. And that's it. And then he got the, then he got the bubble one. Spolstra? Yeah, he didn't Miami. win that title. The Lakers, won, the Lakers won that. 
Oh, duh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, they're on record as me getting confused. So, <laughs> try everybody at home, let's not try to, like, chop that up and use that against me. Yeah, no, let's not do that. Uh, you know, the, the, all those Twitter warriors that got to de- defend middle-aged men. Uh, <laughs> but <clears throat> I want to get into the draft news. It was what the big news of the story of the week. It, it's been almost a week since it happened, and we haven't got a chance to talk about it yet. We've got a couple storylines, and then we're going to talk Browns draft because that's what we were interested in watching it. That's what we paid most attention to. That's where we're going to be able to give the best takes. First storyline from the draft, after weeks, months, of everyone saying that it was either going to be Kayvon Thibodeau or Aiden Hutchinson at number one, or maybe a quarterback if somebody reached that far. Trayvon Walker goes number one to Jacksonville. Did Jacksonville go ahead and screw up yet again? Well, that's... That was a reach at one. But like I've been saying, they've been working on that offense and every every aspect of trying to come back. It just seems like everything that Jacksonville does backfires on them. Yeah. Like, I mean, the jury's still out on Trevor Lawrence. I personally don't think that he's going to be anything special. But I, they also... <clears throat> sorry, go on. I was just going to agree with you. I don't think he showed anything last year. And, and I know Urban Meyer was a trash coach and not a great situation, but I don't know if he showed that many flashes last year, like you said, that he's going to be special and he's supposed to be the next coming of Peyton Manning. Yeah, yeah. Jury's still out on that. I don't, like you said, I don't see anything special. He didn't do anything that caught my attention uh, except for what a head and shoulders commercial. Um, that's about it. it. I've said this since he was in college. I don't think he's that good. To be honest, he had that whole Clemson team around him. Pretty much uh, just taking the reins and he was just there. And everybody's like, well, look at his record. Look at his record. Look how many games yeah. he's won in a row. Blah, blah, blah. It's awesome. How many games did that team win between the last three quarterbacks? Yeah. I I mean, it, yes, it, it, that's a fantastic that's a fantastic program they have at Clemson, without a doubt. Obviously one of the best in the country. Yeah. But does that translate when he's alone in a new team without that program, without those coaches, without Dabo? Without those those linemen and receivers and defensive backs and all that, does I, that translate? Because I haven't seen that translation happen. I don't think it does because I think in college Trevor Lawrence re- regressed. His freshman year, they win that title, and he was on top of the world, best ever, one of the best quarterbacks they we 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 thought we. Media, everybody said that we thought we've seen in terms of pro-ready guys, freshman year. He didn't really look like that guy senior year when he was leaving. Right. Sure, they were still good, but like you said, 
How much is that program pumped out into the NFL? So many guys. Hunter Renfro has dug himself into that like so solid slot position there in Las Vegas. And he might be even scarier now that Devontae Adams is there and is going to command attention. Mm-hmm. I think Vegas could be really good this year. They just play in a very hard division. So, so we kind of got carried away with that. But, yes, I agree. Big reach for Jacksonville at one there with Trayvon Walker. I, I get it was a defensive pick, but for months since the, since the college football season ended, we've been told that the, these other two who play the same position were clear-cut number ones. You could go with either of them and you'd be all right. Kayvon Thibodeau ends up sliding to, to five and goes to the New York Giants. But there's a story that came out today that Detroit was so elated that Jacksonville didn't pick Aiden Hutchinson, they got in trouble for turning in the draft card too fast. <laughs> That's hilarious. You know, because they're, they're trying to make it all suspenseful, let everybody talk, fill up four hours, right? Yeah. Fill up four hours on one round. That's they get. That's why they get behind on on Thursday night because <clears throat> they got to make a production out of it, man. Honestly, I think the first round of the draft was it thirty two times ten. Let's. I'm not doing that math. That's a lot of math. Three hundred twenty. Uh, so three hours. Right. Yeah, it it shouldn't shouldn't even be should not take that long. Because like you said, people, we know what the best available player is. And if that's what you're going with, just pick him real quick. Pick, pick who you want. You know who it is. <clears throat> it doesn't take you 10 minutes to decide. And if you're waiting till the 10 minutes that you're on the clock to decide who you wanted to pick, you probably didn't do your pre-draft prep in the first place. But we're not going to get into <clears throat> how teams should treat their pre, pre, pre-draft prep. We're going to get into quarterbacks. Only... One quarterback taken in the first two rounds. It happens to be Kenny Pickett to Pittsburgh. Then in a surprise, Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati is the second quarterback off the board to Atlanta. Malik Willis doesn't go until round three, pick 86 to Tennessee. The reason I bring him up is because Malik Willis was talked about as potentially a top 10, maybe even top five pick. If if Jacksonville, if Jacksonville didn't have the number one, he might have been talked about as a number one overall pick. Does it go to the third round? Weird quarterback draft because I don't know and I can't think of any time in the now 18, 19 years of watching football that I've watched a draft that just put quarterbacks to the side on. They weren't a priority, and it was interesting. Yeah, and I think I think a lot of that has to do with a lot of teams already have their quarterbacks or traded or picked up a free agent, or they're waiting for a team to find the right price and quit trying to uh, punish their franchise quarterback that they drafted number one in 2018. Um, so I think – they either found him in free agency, already drafted their guy, 
or they're waiting on a certain player to uh, be taken out of purgatory in a certain city on the lake. But yeah, so everybody was going after the defensive players. You know, they were going after their linebackers, their linemen, cornerbacks, and their wide receivers, and especially offensive linemen. But it, it was almost like nobody really cared about the quarterbacks except for the Steelers when they, you know, jumped on Kenny Pickett right there. I think that was a total PR move. I love Just it. because. Yeah, I mean, I mean, so smart. Look, I mean, look at Bernie Kosar. Youngstown kid went to Miami of Florida. But still, Youngstown kid left Miami for the draft. As you guys know, that was one of our disdain sports histories. But look at his reception in Cleveland. I don't even love it for that because I could care less about the Pittsburgh Steelers and what their quarterback is perceived at. I love it as a hater. Oh, gotcha. And, okay. And, yeah, and, yeah. and here's why the Pittsburgh Steelers picked Kenny Pickett at pick 20. He wasn't everybody's clear-cut number one quarterback. There wasn't another quarterback picked for a whole nother round and a half at least. Pittsburgh reached heavily. Oh, yeah. Heavily. And for the first time in what I can say in probably my football viewing experience, if this fails... Pittsburgh is going to get demolished. They will be ripped to pieces because you reached, like you said, just because this guy played in the same building as you in college. Uh, I, uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and what a classic Steelers fashion would be too, because they don't, they have no clue what a bad quarterback is or what a failing quarterback is. They, they've seen what Mason Rudolph, some of those guys, and they're just like, oh, whatever, second string. We don't have to worry about it. Yeah. This year they do. This year, if it doesn't work out, they're at the bottom of the best division in football. Yeah, and they, they just uh, tagged out with the Browns. Pretty much. And you know what I'm saying is like they don't know what to do with quarterback. They have no idea what they're doing at the quarterback position. Because don't get me wrong, Mitchell Tubisky is a good quarterback, but he's a good backup quarterback. Look, I love the kid. He's a mentor cardinal, whatever. I don't love the kid. Could care less, actually. Love the fact that he's from Northeast Ohio. That's the only connection I have with that guy. But he's a good backup quarterback. And, but, and, then, and, then, what, and then what are you going to do with Kenny Pickett? Because well, you already gave up Josh Dobbs. You're going to put Mason Rudolph back in? The 10-year uh, experiment that you guys keep going on? I know it's obviously not been 10 years, but it feels like it. Yeah, well, well that's kind of my point. How can they not play Kenny Pickett? They reached for him. He's the only quarterback selected in the first two rounds. He's got to play. You can't right. play, Mitch. You can't. 
you got to prove that this guy was worth the number 20 pick right away. You're the mm-hmm. Pittsburgh freaking Steelers. This doesn't happen to you. Oh, I absolutely. I mean, come on. These guys are going to be so lost. They're not going to know what to do. They're going to turn into Yankees fans. Come to Super Bowl, bro. Come to Super Bowl, bro. How many wins have, have the Steelers gotten against the Browns, bro? Dude, Yinger's are crazy, bro. Like, go wash your hands, yeah, jagoffs. In sports, the only thing that matters is current events. Coming from a Dallas Cowboys fan, that should tell you something. Who gives a shit that we won five before? Bro, Rafters, bro. Rafters? Rafters, Who cares? bro. Who cares? There's not a Bro, single person on the damn team that won a title in, in Dallas. Well, there might be. Dan Quinn's a Super Bowl champion, so the defensive coordinator is. So there's some people, but there's not anybody that won a Dallas Cowboys title. It, it, it's I I have I wasn't even born yet the last time they won a title. You know what I'm saying? Fuck the past. Whoops, that was an f bomb. But whatever. You know, it, it's time to buck up. It's 2022. If Kenny Pickett fails, the Steelers are screwed, and I absolutely love it. It's I'm, it's a rivalry, baby. Football. Yep. And I'm here for all of it. And you know what? They're going to be like, oh, well, <laughs> looks like you guys have the Rankings quarterback, and we have we don't have a quarterback. <laughs> Funny how times have changed. It's like, dude, shut up. Okay, that narrative's already played out. You guys have already played that out. Within like the first two weeks of Deshaun Watson being traded to the Browns, it's already played out. I get it. We did it for years, whatever. But dude, it's played out. Don't don't be Yankees fan. But they are. They're Steelers fans. I mean, come on, Steelers fans are the absolute worst. I can't stand them. Uh, But let's speaking of the Browns and what they what they're doing. Let's get into their draft. They were originally scheduled to not have a first-round pick. They they kept that as is, but they were supposed to pick at pick 44 on night two in round two. Andrew Barry says, no way. I'm going to trade back, collect a few extra picks this year. I think he got a third and a fourth uh, to, to add some people. So the Browns don't pick until round three, pick 68. In what is a surprise, what was kind of a surprise to me, and I mean surprise because I thought they'd go some other positions first, but here they go, and at pick 68, they go with Martin Emerson, cornerback out of Mississippi State. He was described as a, a, a kind of a, a bigger guy, a sure tackler. To me, we talked about it on, on Friday night. It screams depth, maybe even at safety, but it definitely screams, hey, we know our defensive backs might not be the best tacklers. We just went and got got a guy that is. You know how many people uh, to go off of that? You know how many people I saw online just losing their minds when, when the Browns traded back? Uh, I'm they were sure like, it was a lot. They were like, we are, we already don't have a first round. Now you're trading the, the 44th pick. 
what the hell's going on? This is ridiculous. And these were the same guys when the Sean Watson trade happened that were like, dude, trust Andrew Barry, bro. Andrew Barry knows what he's doing. Oh, what are you doing, dude? You trained a second round pick. We don't even have a first round pick. It's like, this is like blowing everybody's minds, right? The first time since 99 that the Browns haven't had a first round pick or something like that. And they just don't know what to do. They're like, whoa, bro. It's just like, you guys were talking about trusting Andrew Barry, right? Trust him. Yeah, he knows what he's doing. There's a reason why. (laughs) There's a reason why he's the GM. If you're going to give him trust for one thing, you got to trust him through it all. I would say that that kind of attitude really stems from not being in this situation before as a Browns fan. Browns fans have always been, I don't want to say always because they haven't always been, but they got a little used to needing that first round pick to immediately step in and have an impact. Yeah. And that that's what I was trying to get at. Just like it, it blew their minds. Like they didn't know, they didn't know what to do. It's like when you change your dog's food and like they've changed the brand and they're just like, you know, won't eat for a couple of days because they don't know what the hell to do. Yeah. It, it's like, uh, it's Garth from Wayne's world when he's got the robotic hand. Like, <laughs> we fear change. Bah, bah, and start smashing it. That's exactly how I feel like these Browns fans were because once they drafted, once they drafted him, yeah. they were like another cornerback. What is Newsom not enough? Is Ward not enough? Is blah 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 blah? Like it, like they were just stuck. Like they didn't know what the hell was doing. This was actually a good pick, a pick that they needed. This wasn't another random quarterback or running back yeah. or wide receiver. It was, this is a you know a position player, and it blew their minds. It, it's I'll, just so wild. I'll put it this way, and I think it'll make Browns fans understand. You watched how much MJ Stewart played last year. And you didn't even just name him in your little little rant. Uh, this guy is MJ Stewart's replacement because he's gone. MJ Stewart played a lot of football for the Browns. Not even to mention that they traded away their nickel corner, Troy Hill, right after the draft for the Rams. They knew they needed a cornerback, and that's what they went for in round three. In the end of round three, they decide to go with Alex Wright, pick 78, defensive end out of UAB. Another guy that's a depth guy, could be the starter opposite of Miles Garrett, depending on the the re-signing of Jadavion Clowney and how that goes. I, the other day, was listening to the radio, and they had the UAB coach on talking about Alex Wright. High motor guy, great off the field guy. Chose UAB because it was a building program that just came back from their program being abolished, basically. Mm -hmm. And they've only been back for, I think, I think he said four years at this point. So, So in Alex Wright's career, he has helped rebuild that program not just back to being a program. UAB has won two conference titles since they've been back. That's a big deal. This guy, 
has also been touted as one of the best benders in the draft. And what I mean by that is pass rushers have to get low when they go around people. They, they, they almost kind of swim on the ground in a way. They got to get that low when they're going around a tackle. They say this guy is the best guy at doing that in the draft, and he won't quit on him. Yeah, I'd like to pick it once again. Those positions that you can always improve on. Yeah. And as long as he as long as he stays healthy, unlike his cousin Scooby, then yeah, I think it's a great uh a great pickup. And and I do not I don't think they're cousins at all. Because you see me uh, like I was like, for real? <laughs> Yeah, no, I was, I was just another Browns pickup. Uh, he's in the USFL now. Oh, man, he's a Birmingham Stallion. I was going to say, I think he's the captain of the defense for the Stallions. That was a good pickup. I mean, that was a great late-round pickup, but that's a different draft for a different day. Um, yeah, I'd like to pick because, as I said, that's always another place to improve on because what's the worst that happens here? The worst thing that can happen is they get – uh, Javion Clowney doesn't come back and he has to start. Okay, but then he's working out. Who's he working out with? Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett, right? What's the best? Yeah, and what's the best thing that happens here? We get Javion, or they get Javion Clowney back, and he sits behind Clowney and learns with Clowney and Miles Garrett. So oh. essentially, one's one's a good win, and then one's a great win. Right. Great win is we get or they get clowning back. Yeah. But we can settle for him still just learning off of Miles Garrett all summer. So either way, it's a win win here. I would really like him to learn from both of them because Clowney is really good at run stopping and Miles Garrett is really good at pass rushing. Well, Miles Garrett's really good at everything. But but Jadavion Clowney, I think, more now definitely is a run-stopping defensive end more than a pass-rushing one. He can still rush the pass, don't get me wrong. But like you said, just a guy that if he needs to step in and, and start, then whatever. I, I'm confident that he'll get the job done. But if he, it, it, I, I'm always for a rookie sitting behind Jadavion Clowney and coming in to spell those guys. Look, the Browns lost a lot of defensive linemen. Defensive line is always a place that needs depth. Malik McDowell, uh, I don't even know what's going on with him. He might still be in jail. Uh, obviously that stuff happened down in Florida where he was in the nude fighting people. And yeah. And so, so just a good pickup for me, the end of round three, pick 99. This is the first pick. I think the Browns took that they actually started with at the start of this draft. David Bell wide receiver Purdue. I love it. And, and the reason I love it is because in the Big Ten, he was kind of under the radar. Despite the fact that he won the Big Ten's Wide Receiver of the Year Award. It's not called that, but he won the award. Uh, you got Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson in, in, in Ohio State. Both top 15 picks. They actually went like right after each other, back to back. Uh, you also had Jackson Smith and Jigba with Ohio State that had over a thousand yards receiving hell of a season. Got other guys from the Big Ten go before this David Bell guy. 
he was he was the guy that the Big Ten said was the best receiver. Sure-handed, big. He's just not super fast. I like it. Ryan Hartline, who does nothing but produce NFL wide receivers, 10 minutes before the Browns picked him, literally tweeted out and said, if I need a receiver, I'm going after David Bell. Browns pick him right away. Yeah, for the 99th pick, that was a hell of a steal <laughs> right there. And I, I think really the only thing he needs to do <clears throat> this offseason in training camp is maybe put on a little more muscle mass. Not too much, just just a little bit. Yeah. Obviously, you know, you, you get a little harder in the NFL compared to college. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, if he just puts on a little more weight muscle-wise – I think he'll be he'll be a great third round pickup for the for the Browns because if they were sitting there and they weren't going to trade up and get a receiver in the first round like I said they were going to or I you know I thought would be the best yeah. decision for them uh, and you know what hey trust in Andrew Barry man if he finds this this dude to be hey we can get him. Third round, 99th pick overall. We really don't we don't have to really do anything uh, except write his name down on a piece of paper. Yeah. And yeah, I'm I am all for it. And for him going under the radar in the Big Ten, like you said, well, yeah, obviously he was a boilermaker. Purdue's not really that big of a Big Ten yeah. known football school. Oh, for sure. Uh, who, I, who went to who went to Purdue that you can list off? Drew Brees. Yeah. There's some others. I, I mean, I'm I would sure know. there's some others if I get but into it, but Drew Brees is the first one that comes to mind. Uh, yeah. I was looking at a stat the other day uh, on David Bell, and he played four teams. He played Ohio State. He played Notre Dame. It was third. It was Ohio State, Notre Dame, and I believe Michigan. Because they put Michigan in there because they had a top five defense last year. Double-digit receptions in every single one of those three games. Over 115 yards in every single one of those three games. So when the competition was the highest, David Bell showed up. I love it as a third-round pick, but the next pick for the Browns may quite possibly be the steal of the draft. Round four, pick 108, Perrion Winfrey, defensive tackle out of Oklahoma. What many people say is the second best defensive tackle in the draft. The first one went top 20 to the Eagles. This guy went at 108 in round four to the Browns. And I already love it because he cut a promo like he was a WWE superstar and couldn't wait to get to Cleveland. Already is recruiting people. He tweeted out earlier today, I saw trying to tell Jadavion Clowney to resign. Browns needed a big guy at defensive tackle that's going to run around the field. This guy is it, and I love it. Yeah, from everything that I've seen online, him making that video on his on his deck to yeah, tweeting tweeting everything out. It, yeah, his like WWE hype video. I mean, just everything around that is around that guy just screams Cleveland grit. It screams late November, December football. 
you know, snow coming down on the field, the wind just cutting through the 20 layers and 10 jackets you have on coming off of Lake Erie, you know, and I'm saying that NF or the AFC North NFL grit that you see in Cleveland. I love it. That was a great pick. Everybody online was talking like shocked that he went that he went so late, but I'm happy to see him in uh orange and brown. Me too. Uh and then the next pick a lot of people are going to say probably shouldn't have happened, but I think I like it as well. Round four, pick 124. The Browns go kicker. Cade York out of LSU. Too many people advocate or not picking kickers. I like it for the Browns here because for the last two years, it's been a revolving door of kickers. A couple games might have even swung different ways if there was a reliable kicker. So what do the Browns do? They take this random round four pick and they say, hey, I'm going to go get the guy who in the last four years of college is the best guy in, in, the, in the NCAA at hitting 40 or 50 plus yard field goals. 91% for his career at LSU in long field goals. Browns haven't had a consistent kicker since number four left, Bill Dawson. I like the keyboard pick. Yeah, I, I like it too. They were, you know, after they picked him, it was all over Twitter and Instagram, the 57-yard field goal he made in the fog. I like it because, yeah, like you said, they're – I how many games would have been different if Phil Dawson was still our kicker or we had a reliable kicker and it wasn't just another just another merry-go-round clown show of kickers for the Cleveland Browns. I might win. Hopefully, yeah, and, and and hopefully this isn't another Zane Gonzalez situation or Travis Coons or you know I could just list all. Um, how many uh, how many different kickers there are that have come through and just been trash and been tossed out like two weeks later? It's not a respected job, but it's a hard job, man, and that, and that's why. Right, because everybody loves you when you hit that game winner, but you miss it, or every other three hundred and sixty four days of the year. You're just the dude that, you know, you just kick a ball. But once you win that game, then, oh, my gosh, you're being carried off the field. You look like Rudy. And, you know, you're the greatest ever because the defense or offense couldn't hold up throughout the whole game. Yeah, it's it's a thankless job, like you said, until it's until you put the three points that puts put you over the top. As clock winds down, it, it, and and even those spots are rare. Those don't happen every single game. They don't. They don't even happen every single week. In what we get, sixteen games a week, they don't even happen every single week. The next pick, getting into round five, pick one fifty six, the Browns go running back Jerome Ford out of Cincinnati. I know we've said we've liked all the picks, but I like this pick because it's Kareem Hunt's replacement. 
Jerome Ford, when, when Cincinnati made the playoff last year, was talked about as one of the best backs in football, in college football. Now, there were Kenneth Walker out of Michigan State had, had, had the better stats, but Jerome Ford, an Alabama transfer that went to Cincinnati, lit up everybody he played and helped carry that team. A lot of people will say Cincinnati was Desmond Ritter's team. I think it was Jerome Ford's. Now he gets to sit behind two of the best running backs in football. And when Kareem Hunt's ready to move on because he's time to, it's it, he'll get he want he'll want to get paid and be a starter. Jerome Ford steps in that role very nicely in a couple of years. This pick, like I said, like most of the picks that the Browns made this year, was a depth pick, and it's going to pay off because it's going to be cheap in two years when they're going to have to start paying other people big money. And, and they're going to have to start cutting people like Kareem Hunt. 156th pick, round five. That's when, you know, you can – a lot of teams go wild. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, if he's there and in that round, he's there. So take him. Yeah, and uh, like I said, I understand why people might head scratch, why, why, why the Browns might pick a running back, you know. Chubb, Hunt, Johnson, and Felton. But Jerome Ford, is he, he, he can play special teams, but also he can do everything Kareem Hunt can do. Another guy that just, if he would have went to a bigger school, might have been the, one of the top three running backs in this draft class, I personally think. Now we're going to get into the first pick that I wasn't the biggest fan of. Round six, 202. Michael Woods, the second wide receiver out of Oklahoma. I know the Browns needed wide receivers, but I think there were other ones that were just better that were available at this time. Michael Woods isn't terrible, but it's one of these guys that I think his only impact on his team can be special teams. I just don't know where he's going to fit in in the offense. Please make me eat my words. Please make me tell me I'm wrong, Mr. Woods. I'll come on here and apologize, kiss your feet, ask for forgiveness, whatever you want me to do if you make me wrong. But as it stands, Amari Cooper, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Anthony Schwartz, David Bell, Michael Woods, I don't know is at that level of talent for me. Late round pick. But it, exactly. Obviously – Obviously, there's something and somewhere that he fits into this scheme. So, like, like I said with the with the whole Andrew Barry thing, man, you just got to trust him. And he saw something. He saw something in there that we didn't, and that's why he is a NFL GM, and we're not. Right. And. It doesn't interfere with anybody currently on the roster. So, no, not at all. This guy could be a special teams guy. He, could, I mean, even if he's bottom level wide receiver, uh, he he's probably the fifth wide receiver at this moment. Uh, like you said, six round pick. What does it matter? If he doesn't work out, he doesn't work out. If he works right. out, then great. <laughs> it it doesn't really matter. That's and, what that's. And that's what these late round picks are for. Yeah. It's uh, low risk, high reward. For sure. Into the seventh round now, two more picks to go. 
Apparently, the Cleveland Browns went to the Oklahoma Pro Day um, because with the 223rd pick in round seven, their third Oklahoma guy that they picked, defensive end Isaiah Thomas, late round guy, could see some time to spell a few people at defensive end, never have enough defensive linemen. That's what this pick is to me. Yeah. The only thing that I found strange about this pick is they picked a 5'8", 215-pound defensive end who's like 35. Kind of strange to me, but maybe they saw him, you know, playing down the road at the field house. Oh, that's... Yeah. Nah, I'm thinking... That's that's not the same Isaiah Thomas? Nah, yeah, nah. Uh, well, then then it's kind of strange that they got somebody who's already in a professional sports Hall of Fame and is about 70 years old. Not, not that one either. Oh, okay. Just, Which Isaiah Thomas is this? He, he, he's about, I, I don't know how tall he is, but he's about 280 pounds. And, and, okay. and, and he rushes the passer on a football field. Gotcha. Okay, so... Not the not basketball Isaiah Thomas. No, nah, he wasn't a Detroit. Not Hall of Fame Isaiah Thomas. He wasn't a Detroit Piston. And, 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 was and, he ever a Boston Celtic? No. Okay. From what I know, he's only ever been a Sooner. Well, and he played high school somewhere. All right. I'm getting bad intel here in my ear, so. No, nah, man. That, we got to blame that one on T. T was like, man, the the Browns drafted Isaiah Thomas, MJ, Michael Jordan is really going to take that personally. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, when Isaiah Thomas was on the Cavs, all T would say was like, that's not the real Isaiah Thomas. And after about the 500th time, it's like, okay, we get it. He's got the same name. Not the Hall of Famer, Isaiah Thomas. He's He's literally named after him, though. Yeah, it's it's just like okay, got it. Like I'm I don't trying know. to watch, trying to watch the goddamn Cavs game. I don't know the story behind this kid's name, uh, the defensive end's name. Uh, like I don't know if he was named after him, but but Isaiah Thomas that played for the Cavs, quite literally, the story is his dad lost a bet and had to name him Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, well, how about those two guys in the draft? Speaking of people named, both named after uh, Akeem Olajuwon. I saw that. That's pretty weird. There have been a lot of Shaquille's, too. Um, yeah. There was a guy named Kobe Bryant, too. Yeah. Literally, there was, and he was literally named after Kobe, too. Yeah, but they, they spelled completely it. spelled Kobe wrong. Yeah, like I don't cheese. know why. They spelled it like the cheese. Well, they, without the L. Yeah, that's what I meant, like C-O-B. Well, I guess I should have said without the L. With the C, then, I and the Y. I started spelling it. I was like, was I? Did, he, did they really spell it C-O-L-B-Y? I was confused for a second. I was like, what? No, no, I knew no. they spelled it wrong. If you're gonna name, if you're gonna do that and name your kid after somebody, just just full on same spelling and everything. Why are you trying right. to be different? We're we're still calling him Kobe Bryant. Yeah, his name's Kobe Bryant. It's kind of there's one other Kobe Bryant. Yeah, for for sure. And then, and then their final pick, pick 246, Dawson Beaton, a center out of Texas Tech. 
another pick that's kind of like, hey, if we develop this guy and he works out, he works out at a position in center that they're going to start a guy in Nick Harris this year. J.C. Treader left. They, they released him. You might want to you might want to start developing centers because what if Nick Harris isn't good? Perfect, uh, perfect example of just building up that depth at those positions, and why not? Such a safe pick. I, I'm just repeating myself for all these late round picks, but yeah, yeah, exactly, this guy might even be a practice squad guy, but it's a guy that you, there you want go. in the building that's going to be able to develop into. Something, hell, the maybe even the best guy on the Browns' offensive line, Wyatt Teller, before he came to the Browns, was just like what I think the Browns are doing to this guy. When he was with the Bills, he was just a a practice player, bottom bottom of the line bench guy. He came to the Browns and he didn't even play that first year in Cleveland. Now he's a millionaire. Hey, there you go. You can't beat it. And he's a staple in that offensive line. Yeah. And this guy, do you think he ever messed up and got locked into a equipment room when he was at Texas Tech? No, I think he's smart. Oh, you know what? That, that question could have went as well to the first round pick out of Mississippi State. Yeah? Yes. Why? I'm missing it. Um, Jesus Christ. How did I just... I literally had this all lined up. I literally had this all lined up and my name just blanked on me. Um, I, I can... I bought his signed book for Ian. He was at Washington State. Jeez Louise. How uh, am I blanking on my guy's Leach? name? Mike Leach. Thank you. See, now I feel like a jag off. <laughs> you said because Mike Leach is one of, if not the actual best coach uh, in NCAA, besides Nick Saban. But yeah, I remember the whole thing when he was at Texas Tech. This is just ran. If I would have remembered his name, it would have hit better. But I didn't um, remember the whole thing at Texas Tech when he was accused of locking players in like the equipment room. I do shed, equipment shed outside. Now that you said his name, I do remember that. Yeah, that was, that was the joke. That's why he wasn't at Texas Tech. That's why he left and went up to Washington State. And now he's in Mississippi State. I caught on now. Yeah, that was botched. I botched the hell out of that one. I, I would have if this wasn't a podcast and it was like a stand-up routine or something or just in person i would have just left right i would just walk away <laughs> i wouldn't have finished it this isn't for I'm, me i'm it done right right but uh <laughs> that's kind of the browns draft my man and that's really the, the kind of the the end of our episode uh well i think we got to this day this day in history uh, we do, um, and I will get to that in one second. I just want to, at the beginning of the show, when we were talking about Dustin Crum coming off of, uh, or being signed as the uh, unrestricted free agent, 
or undrafted free agent. I'm sorry. Yeah. Just to double back on that, since we're already in the NFL here. Um, and like we, like we said, him learning off of Patrick Mahomes and learning from Andy Reid and all that, definitely going to build up his potential. The whole Brian Hoyer thing, we already got into that. But are you, are you more excited to watch Browns preseason or Chiefs preseason or Cowboys, I guess, because you're a Cowboys fan, whatever. But I'll just keep it because the listeners here can can vote on this. Browns preseason or Chiefs preseason with Ken Ohio's own Dustin Crum? I would say I'm more excited for Chiefs. And, and it's not because I don't want to see the Browns and the Cowboys play because obviously those are the two teams I follow. When it comes to the preseason this year, I could give a shit less to see Jacoby Brissett play or Josh Dobbs. Just like for the Cowboys, I don't even know who they're bringing in for their second and third string quarterback this year. But I could tell you I don't give a damn who, who it is. In the preseason, that might be the only time I get to see Dustin Crumb play this year. Of course, I'm more excited to see that. Just like I'm probably even more excited to see like the Titans preseason games. Because mm-hmm. I'd, I'd like to see what Malik Willis does. Hell, even Atlanta, I, 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 I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily think Desmond Ritter is going to be that good of a quarterback. But, but I'm, I'm more excited to watch. And, and that, to me, that's always the thing. I'm always like preseason's whatever for my teams, man. I know what's going to happen for my teams, unless somebody gets hurt. I, I know what happens. Like that first year, Dax rookie year. When Romo gets hurt in the first preseason game and he comes and lights everything up and earns the starting job over over who is now his offensive coordinator and Kellen Moore, uh, unless something like that happens, our team, my teams, I know what's going to happen. I know that unless he gets suspended, Deshaun Watson is going to be the starting quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. I've also already seen you don't spend that. Yeah. You don't spend that kind of money on a backup. Yeah, exactly. I already know what Jacoby Brissett is. While I do think he's a good backup, I don't really care to see him play. Right. I want to see Dustin Crumb play against NFL competition because I watched him play against some, against Kent State competition, and I thought he lit up the field. So, right, and, so, yeah. and the, games, the games he played against Texas A&M, and um, uh, I'm trying to think who else they played. Auburn, I believe. Yeah. You know, those teams like that, those big teams that they went up against, he was holding his own. He played Penn State. Now, now was his – right? Now was his defense? No. No. And, was his offensive line? No. And, and that's really why I'm, I was as in on him as I was is because Dustin Crumb's game was Dustin Crumb's game, whether he was playing, like you said, one of those power five schools, or he was playing somebody from like the the Mountain West or or the Conference USA or the Mac the Mac is is a smaller conference. So I think his game was consistent whether like you said he was playing one of those big time schools or he was playing a, a smaller school. 
I'm just I'm just excited to see him get out there on the field. Am I gonna buy a Dustin Crumb jersey? We'll see. We'll see. If if I'm to purchase a NFL jersey in the near future that isn't from uh never mind. <clears throat> but if I'm to buy a NFL official NFL jersey, um yeah, it's gonna be Dustin Crumb. Before I get a Deshaun Watson. I yeah. honestly, if I was to get a if I was to get anybody's jersey on the Browns, it'd probably be Amari Cooper. I mean it, it would definitely be Amari Cooper. Uh I think once he signs a long term contract, it'd be David Njoku for me. Yeah, you big chief guy. I, I mean I love David Njoku. I really hope Right, he, he he was getting a little sketchy there for a little bit, but then he then he like switched all of a sudden was like, I'm here. That's because Kevin Stefanski sat his ass down and he was like, look, you're really the number one guy. Right. He is. He is now. Yeah. Cooper's gone. Yeah, he just he didn't like those guys coming in. And I, I that's it. it. Really it was by it was it was kind of sending a message. It was like look Njoku, you're going into year four. It's time to play. Right. Show up. Yeah. I, but yeah, I would I would definitely get a Cooper jersey. But definitely Crum Crum would be my number one just because, you know, they'll probably sell him in Kent. That's probably just sell, probably sell him in Kent and nobody's knocking down the door to buy it a Mark Mari Cooper jersey. You know? Right. And yeah, so we'll we'll just have to see. Everybody went out and splurged on the OBJ and Jarvis jerseys. So um, that's about, yeah, that's about all I had on the Dustin Crum topic and the whose jersey am I going to buy hypothetically? It's a good hypothetical to have. Right. So we're going to move on to this day in sports history, except there is no sports in this day in history. This day in history, May 4th, 1970, at the campus of Kent State in Kent, Ohio, four students, two who were peacefully protesting the war in Vietnam, and two who just happened to get struck by stray bullets while walking from one class to another, um, passed away uh, when the National Guard came to, the Ohio National Guard came to the Kent State campus because of the ongoing protests and riots that were happening due to the Vietnam War. Obviously, it escalated farther than anybody could imagine. Um, it went from people, it went from a peaceful protest to people breaking things downtown, uh, burning down the ROTC building, and escalating throughout that sit out. School was canceled. The police and the governor had to call in the National Guard. I believe Richard Nixon was involved with that as well. Called in the National Guard. 
good old Ken, Ohio turned from just a little college town in Portage County in northeastern Ohio into what you probably see on your television when they're in war zones. Tanks driving up and down the street, a curfew out for residents, broken windows, nobody was out. It just a absolute um, crazy thing to think about because I spend most of my time downtown Kent. Yeah. And to think, and to think standing there, because as you know, the Kent stage was built in 1927. So the stage was there where I stand and hang out, you know, and to think like standing there and watching tanks go up and down that road and, you know, the military jeeps, men with, yeah. with uh, rifles and, and machine guns and stuff. It, it, it's a crazy thing to think about when you think about this little, this little college town in Northeast Ohio. So, um, yeah, I decided to, we decided we should take a break from sports for this day in sports history and, and talk about a little something that, you know, kind of affected us all, me growing up in Kent and Brendan, you going to Kent State. Um, it, it, we decided it, um, like you said, it, it, it kind of just, when you're recording on May 4th, you think two things. You think if you're a Star Wars fan, you think May the 4th. If 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 you're you're like me and you and you either lived in Kent or attended Kent, uh, you think of this. You imagine these tanks and and these jeeps going up going up that hill on Main Street past the Kent stage, and, and think about how it was in that time. On the campus, there's those pillars that that sit where. where the dead bodies of these four individuals laid, laid that day. And to stand near those spots, you instantly get an eerie feeling. And, and it's right in a parking lot. Literally, there's these four spots. And then 15 feet away, there's a museum. And then 15 feet in the other direction, nothing but parking spots. So it's really, really eerie to walk that campus walk that campus at night when those lights on those pillars are lit up and it's a it, it's almost a breathtaking experience there's there's a famous song about about it crosby stills and nash three guys that have been at the camp stage plenty of times playing wrote Bra this song Graham oh. nash was just there yeah, a few weeks ago, and performed it. The two nights, back to back, sold out concerts at the Kent Stage. He performed it two nights in a row. So, in fact, Graham Nash has probably been the best-selling show at the Kent Stage all year. Yeah, um, yeah, just, probably just because the two nights, just because it was two nights and both nights were packed. Um, right, and also it's Graham Nash. Yeah, and. It, but but four dead in Ohio in Ohio, I might even put it on after we. I might even put it at the end of the show, just to just so you can listen to the lyrics, listen to those lyrics, and I still get chills. First time I ever heard it, you it might, almost scared me. Yeah, I, I think I've heard that. I heard that song probably, uh, you know, 
before I even turned one, just because it's Ken, yeah. you know, um, we might just have to put a link in the bio. Yeah, we'll, we'll put a because, link. There we go. Because of the copyright. Yeah, I don't want to get copyrighted and not be able to monetize this at some point in the future. So we'll put a link in, in the episode description. I urge you to check it out because it really, if you haven't been to the museum or, or the pillars or, or know the story or from Kent, the song really puts it in perspective just how eerie, how scary, and how warlike Kent was on May 4th, 1970. And it's it was sad, and it's still sad, and it's it, it's just. But today we remember it, and we remember those who lost their lives, like you said, peacefully protesting a war that we look back now at, and might not even think it was necessary. Absolutely, and two of them weren't even protesting; they were going to, to either their dorm or from class to class, and got struck by a stray bullet. Yeah. And so that's two of them weren't even involved with anything like that. They're just uh, literally an innocent bystander, not even a bystander, just a innocent person, wrong place, wrong time. It's also one of the first examples we've ever had of a foreign war coming to American soil. And I know that I'm not like Viet, the Vietnamese and everybody that were fighting for that against us in that war didn't come over here. But our soldiers brought that war over here when they shot those four individuals. It's how it kind of in, in to put that in their perspective. I know it's not exact, but in a way. Yeah. And then um, just a handful of days later, it happened to Jackson State. Um uh, a similar type situation happened over there, but I think Kent State's obviously more known because it was, you know, the first, yeah, the first one to happen in such an impactful event, not only in the city of Kent or the state of Ohio, but also just the United States as a total. Um, you go to Washington D.C., uh, you go into the Smithsonian. And they have a, you know, big placard of May 4th, uh, sophomore year high school. We went down there. I was staying at the Smithsonian in front of it, actually, with some of my buddies, like, you know, just messing around, doing walking past. I'm like, oh, Ken, that sounds like a nice place to live. And these people were like, who the hell is this little fucking kid talking to me? Mm-hmm. What? Oh, I just cussed dollar in the swear jar. But, yes, you know what I'm saying? I it's just one of those, it was a major changing point in American history. So that's why it's such a a big impactful thing that people tend not to realize, you know, a lot of like the city of Kent and Kent state and a lot of people for years didn't acknowledge it because it was such a stain a blood stain, if you will, on on the city, on the on the campus and whatnot, but um, many years later, obviously, they were like, we need to obviously embrace, you know, embrace this and let people learn from this because 
it's one of those things you try to erase history. It's bound to repeat itself. So yeah, just one of those things that now Kent State obviously embraces or not, not embraces. Remembers. Remembers. Commemorates almost. Commemorates. There we go. Yeah. That's I was looking for. It teaches, teaches people about what happened and, um, yeah, it's just a, it's a wild thing. Um, but that's what I have for this day in history. Wild indeed. Uh, we would just like to thank you guys for tuning into this episode of Any Given Podcast. Where can they follow you, Ethan? You can follow me on twitter.com at E-T-H Simpson, C-G-O-D. That's E. T.H. Simpson, C-G-O-D. You can follow me on Instagram, E-T-H Simpson. That's E-T-H Simpson. You can follow my main man, Brandon, on... On Twitter at B-Ward-C-L-E, B.Ward52 on Instagram. Do not forget to follow the podcast. It's at Podcast Given on Twitter, Instagram at Any Given Podcast. Facebook.com slash any given podcast. Do not forget to subscribe to the YouTube. Look, we got 25 of you guys. We'd love a lot more. Hit the button. I keep putting the cards on. It's reminding you every 10, 15 minutes. Just hit the button. It, it, it's simple. It's quick. We'd appreciate it. I'll even send you an email thanking you. <laughs> there you Personally, go. If, if that's what you want, if that's what it takes, let's do it. But again, thank you guys for tuning in to Any Given Podcast. You have a wonderful rest of you guys this week. God bless. Stay blessed.